Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS, 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Another week, another win for the New England Patriots as they beat the Raiders on Sunday. We're going to jump into that, of course. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, Episode 9, brought to you by BetUS.com. And, of course, Greg, we also have to get into the Tennessee Titans-Minnesota Vikings story a little bit later on as news is breaking this morning, and it's not the best of news for the NFL. As always, we're always brought to you by uh, BetUS.com, and be sure to tell them that Boston Sports Journal sent you. But let's first start off with the win. The Patriots win against the Raiders on Sunday. Your general thoughts of how this all played out, Greg, on Sunday. Yeah, Nick, uh, you know, I thought it was a it was a good win. I think that the Raiders, uh, they're a young team. They're an undisciplined team. They made a bunch of mistakes. I think they will be a team, hopefully for them, that will be better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning. Um, teams, I've talked to executives before who are just like, they, the schedule comes out and they're like, son of a gun, I got to play the Patriots in week two or week three. <laughs> like, I don't even know what my team is at that point. And like, Belichick's just going to, He's just going to expose me, and they, they, I've heard them make sort of reference to, uh, you know, Belichick shows you exactly who you are. Like, he's like a mirror. He shows you your warts and your strengths and everything, and you're just exposed. So that's tough for a team in week three, and I think we saw some of that, even though I do think there were some coaching issues in this game that, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on. But, um, you know, it was a it was a it was a solid win. Uh, I thought it was a typical one p.m. Patriots West Coast game that we've seen a thousand times, where uh, you know where the Patriots are just more professional, uh, make the plays. They're at home; they have comfort level there, and it's a it's a pretty easy victory. Now, look, they struggled for a while. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. And I thought Cam. Look, I'm not going to mince words. I thought he was terrible in this game and throwing the ball. You know, other ways he had that great scramble uh, on second down late in the game. That was that was an incredible play for him to be elusive in the pocket. Uh, he also did a nice job moving in the pocket. But as far as throwing in this game, passing, he was he was not good. I mean, I had him at the end of the day. I had him for three plus plays in the first half alone. I had him for one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine negative plays oh in the first half alone. Oh Most of those were decisions, and just uh, for whatever reason, and I don't think the Raiders did anything that was uh, outside the ordinary. I do think Gunther mixed coverages a little bit more. 
uh, I also looked at whether with Joe Tooney at center and they had Cam go under center a little bit more, what maybe that was part of the issue. Yeah, Romo, but, uh, Romo said that during the uh, telecast that he thought that might be something where Cam had to get used to and this was happening more than they'd seen it before with him under center and, and then said probably about the, the Tooney situation with the you know shotgun snaps the Patriots probably wanted to stay away from as much of as they do that as usual. Yeah, so I, I tried to look up some stats on this. Um, so I went to Sharp Football, which they have a ton of great stats on there. So I looked at it, and uh, against Miami, Cam Newton was under center 57% of the time. In this game, it was 61%. So okay. it wasn't all that different. And they, their pass success rate in the first game was 62%. In this game, it was 40 So, and also I looked at the splits as far as um, when he passed in this game, he was under center nine times, but he was in shotgun 21 times still. So that to me, that was not as much of a factor. So I I don't really know what it was. I I know I've heard some of the commentary today where I think, or at least in the past day where I think people are now going towards the wide receivers and talking about a lack of separation, and there certainly was one of that, uh, some of that. Uh, first, third down, I don't really quibble with Cam's decision. Jacoby Myers might have been a better option there. But every other third, just go back and watch the third downs in this game, uh, including the interception. Uh, there were options for Cam, and he just decided he wasn't seeing the game clearly. And that's going to happen sometimes. I don't know why. I'm sure Josh McDaniels is trying to figure out why so they can avoid it. But for whatever reason, he did not see the game clearly where against Seattle and maybe it was cause Seattle just stinks because they're giving up 490 yards a game passing. Maybe, maybe he just, that, you know, that was maybe the Seattle game was the aberration. And if that's, that's the case, that's an issue for this team. Yeah. And we won't know obviously until we watch this team moving forward over the next couple of weeks, which game is the better to go off of, whether it was the Seattle game, which was terrific for Cam and, and what he did in the passing game, or if it's going to be more of what we saw against the Raiders. Uh, a couple of things that obviously stood out to me, Greg, we spent some time on Darren Waller last week. Yep. We figured that Belichick was going to have a plan. Of course, we were even told, thanks to some of the guys in the locker room, that there was going to be a plan and they had something in store. I think it was what JC Jackson who said that they had something oh, yeah. in store for Waller. <laughs> um, I saw your tweet, which was a classic tweet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they did have something in store for Waller and they shut him down. He was absolutely non existent in this game. And I also, Greg, after the game was over, I did not like John Gruden, good old Chucky, chalking it up. It sounded like, oh, well, we had some guys injured. Just, excuse making John you got beat you didn't play well enough and one of the major things of that game why they did not play well enough is they could not get Waller involved yeah I that was the Patriots certainly did a very good job against Waller and it was about what we talked about going in which was they were gonna mix people and it was sometimes it was Jawan Williams sometimes it was Jason McCourty sometimes it was Devin McCourty sometimes it was Kyle Duggar sometimes it was Adrian Phillips like they just did a lot of different things which is normally what they do um I will say that I thought I thought and this is the case every Raiders game and we talked about this going into the game it, uh, Derek Carr is infuriating to watch on film <laughs> he really is I mean they, he did have a couple times and he talked about it in the post game 
where he said like, yeah, there was one time I had Waller open and I just missed him. Like, yeah, well, they, there were a few times, not a ton. I would say two or three times where Waller was open and he just missed him, including one when it should have been, it could have been a touchdown and Carr just screwed up and just, you know, that was another factor in this game. I mean, I, I think that the, the most crucial stretch to me, and I wrote a, a column about this and also a video analysis at BSJ, uh, was the, the, the stretch where Derek Carr almost, he, he almost gets intercepted by Devin McCourty yep. going to Waller. Yep. And then on third down, uh, what was the play? Sorry, I'm just looking up my column right now. Uh, so he, he checks it down to Jalen Richard. Yeah. And then they missed the field goal. Cause this is a chance. They had a chance for it to double score and it really should have been two touchdowns. And then you're talking about an entirely different game. Carr makes the wrong decisions on both plays on the, on the, on the ball to Waller. And it, I, I don't understand how John Gruden does not want to toss Derek Carr out of a window every every other game because this is the same stuff that I saw last year from him with games on the line against a good team. You need to make a play and John Gruden dials up a perfect play, a cover one beater where he has Waller on an under route. He has Josh Jacobs against Juwan Bentley, a complete mismatch on an over route into the end zone. And you're the quarterback's just supposed to read the safety Devin McCourty and Devin, what does Devin do? He dies on Waller early. And Carr still throws it to Waller, where if the safety comes up, you're supposed to go over the top to Jacobs. It should have been a touchdown. They end up getting no points there. Then you have the Sony Michelle run where uh, Jermaine Illuminor blocked like eight different people on the play. It was an incredible play by him. And good run by Sony, too. She showed some cutback ability that we, we've rarely seen in his time here. But, that you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about where, like, Carr's just infuriating. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should absolutely tip our cap to the offensive line of the Patriots, especially their rookie, Michael Anwenu, who, I, I you know, reading everybody and, and watching and listening, he seemed like he was a star on Sunday, especially being thrown into that position. We wondered what they would do without David Andrews at center. A lot of times Belichick doesn't like shuffling more than one guy and changing multiple positions, but that's exactly what he decided to do. He starts, obviously... Uh, Tooney at center on when gets to start at guard and Greg, you tell me you're the offensive line guy, <laughs> but to my eyes, to the layman's eyes, he looked like he did a pretty damn good job on Sunday. He did. He did. He did a really good job. Uh, the kid has been very impressive. I think it was about week two of camp. I started hearing from people around the Patriots uh, about this kid and uh, how impressed they were with him. Um, it was tough to tell on the practice field, but it's easier to tell in the games. Like it's right. he's, this this kid is huge. I mean, from from his t- I mean, he just you rarely see guys this thick on the offensive line, and and none of it really looks like bad weight. Um, we've always seen plenty of offensive linemen with um, and sports writers with bad weight, but uh, uh, so you know he did a really good job. Now I do think we're gonna have this like now it's gonna become a weekly thing, like Bedard versus PFF type of thing, because I just I I don't understand it. So. I'm here for it. I'm here. Yeah. I and the thing is I love those guys. Like those guys like we've both been doing these this type of grading like longer than anybody. Like uh I think I I think it was Bob McGinn and then I sort of did it and then 
they did it on a wide scale. So, and, and everybody has different ways of doing it and that's fine. And like, we all have confidence in our own numbers. It's not cockiness. It's just, I believe my numbers. I've been doing this a long time. I believe my eyes. I believe my numbers. And, you know, and so pro football, I do my only criticism of pro football focus and, and, and I understand it because I run a business too. I do think they get honky at times and I think they jump the gun on stuff and a lot of their grades. And I'm not sure how it is today, but a lot of times they're taking their grades off a TV copy and that's fine. Sometimes I have to do it, but, and then they will adjust their grades once they watch the coaches film. But so they come out like on Monday when the coaches film clearly is now, and they say that Michael Owenu is the best left guard in, in the NFL on in week three. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. Interesting. But then I looked at the film and no, actually I didn't even go to the film yet. I went to their grades. And so Nick, I was not a math major in college in case <laughs> I haven't told you this. Okay. Um, I took one math class in college because that's yeah. all I could handle. I was very limited too. Yes. I think yeah. it's a journalist kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I married a math major. She's brilliant with numbers. I'm, I'm not a moron. I, you know, you gotta make, you gotta address your needs, you know? So I did that by marrying. So, so they gave a Wenyu a 73.9 pass blocking and an 83.6 run blocking. Those okay. would be the sort of, that's the job of an offensive lineman. No, those two things. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't know what else they're doing. They're not throwing or carrying. No. So according to pro football focus, that results in an 86.7. Wait a minute. Like, and I, I've had this argument with them before and they say, I don't know, they have some sort of mumbo jumbo, but you look at other Patriots numbers and like, you don't have, Normally, it's it's not quite an average, and I get it because you have more running plays and more passing plays, but it's somewhere in the middle. Like when you have a high and you have a low, the overall grade is somewhere in the middle. Right. For some reason, Owenu's is higher than any of his other grades that are sort of the essential parts of blocking. But anyways, I only I had him for four minus plays, which is very it's very minimal. He gave up two pressures. He did factor in on a sack on on Cam. Uh, I had him for two plus, uh, plus plays, which is good for an offensive lineman. It's different, uh, across positions, but I thought he was very good. But in my mind, clear in my mind, there's no doubt that Joe Tooney was the best offensive lineman, uh, on this team on Sunday. I thought he did an outstanding job. You didn't even notice really anything. And, and now I'm beginning to wonder why they didn't do this sooner, not this year, but last year. Yeah. And I asked about it last year. And because of the athletic ability and stuff like that. And, you know, but I just kept telling no. And Illuminor and Corey Cunningham, they were all here last year. They traded for them. Now I'm beginning to wonder why they didn't do this last year. It's a good point. It's a great question. And we don't know the answer to that. It would seem like moving Tooney to center would have helped that offensive line a year ago. Maybe yeah. the idea is we didn't have somebody like Amanu who we felt confident in. Maybe they didn't think that Illuminor's level of play had reached what his level of play has looked like so far this year. You said, you know, before the season kicked off on this very podcast that he was on the Trent Brown plan. He's looking for some big cash yep. up after this season is over. So, hey, maybe some guys are motivated differently and their level of play is higher now this season than it was last season. I also wanted to bring up, because to me, watching this game on Sunday, you know, we always get on Josh McDaniels for his questionable calls, and he had questionable calls against Seattle, a couple of third downs that made you scratch your head going to Burkhead the way they went to him as well. But I thought, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me on Sunday and what got the offense going was 
Number one, they started to attack the ends. They attacked the edges, yep. especially with the run game. And then they sprinkled in J.J. Taylor with the idea of we're going to attack the edges and, and force them to see if they have enough speed to get to us on the outside. And as soon as Taylor had a couple of those runs, A, it opened up the run game, which helped. B, it started to soften that Raiders defense that got off to a great start. And then C, Greg, I thought it motivated Sony Michelle. As you mentioned, yep. all of a sudden we had a couple of cuts that, that we haven't seen from Michelle. I thought he was running harder, visibly just watching. He looked like he was running harder. I just felt like watching that game, McDaniels attacking the edges and going to Taylor, got the offense going, and maybe, maybe jump-started Michelle just a little bit as he was standing on the sidelines watching going, wait a minute, I can't lose my job. I I've got to go out there and run harder, and I've got to run better. Yeah, I, I I don't really disagree with any of that, Nick. I do think, um, you know, look, the first two carries of the game for Michelle, the two tight ends, whether it was Ida, Izzo and Asiasi, yeah. completely blew blocks. And right. and I do think, I think fans, uh, you know, in in you know, not that you don't know what you're talking about because you do, you're a fan, but you also know what you're talking about. But I yeah, most lay fans they. You know, if a, if a running back's not productive, they think it's the running back's fault. And it's and I I've always been I've always been an offensive. It's the blocking over the running back. Like I don't I don't care who the running back is as long as the blocking's there, it, it should uh, it should work. And no matter who the running back is, but I do think uh, I think McDaniel's did an excellent job adjusting into this game. I think that uh, for whatever reason they couldn't get much going inside, and and they did start to press the edges to sort of maybe thin out they did go to a bunch of and this is again you know why Patriots opponents are stupid the Patriots started bringing guys in all the time Harry I think this was in Nick I I think this was interesting or at least some sort of a development we did see Cam Newton alert more in this game alert plays which is like a check there's a, they go to an alert is they go to a second or third play they basically call two plays in the huddle. And then if they get a certain look, then they they go, you see him point to his head and they say alert. And that goes to the second play. And a lot of those involve, it seems like they gave him a sort of piecemeal, you know, a baby steps in terms of adjusting at the line of scrimmage. In this game, it was, we're going to adjust to a crack block on the edge and uh, on the end and then run around the edge or screen pass. So, and even though the Raiders like, I don't know how you don't watch Patriots film. And they're like, okay, when a guy comes in short motion and he's like three feet from the, the edge of the line, I need to be alerted that he's going to crack me inside of the head. And they just never adjusted to that really. And so, but Josh did a really nice job of, like you said, there wasn't anything up the middle. They went to the edges, Burkhead and Taylor. I thought, you know, they're, they're both very effective in that way. I also think they did. I think at some point McDaniels realized Man, Cam just cannot throw. He he's not seeing this game, so they just went to a bunch of screens and yeah. easier passes on the edge, and then they came back with Sony Michelle, sort of up the middle, and all of that really worked well, and and really won this game for this this team that was really scuffling in the passing game, and and you know at times had some issues on defense. Yeah, I love the screen game. It makes my heart dance. I know. Seriously, I don't know why they don't call more screen. I mean, of course, that's a po popular Patriots fan thing that you know they think every they, all they th they think every passing play with Kevin Falk was here was a screen pass. But they they, they are a beautiful screen game. 
team when when, they're, when it's working. And I thought there were they called for three or four of them. Yep. And I thought all of them could have been big plays if mm-hmm. executed better. The first one, Burkhead juggles the pass. I thought that and a bad pass behind yeah, him. Yeah, not a great pass. Yep. He juggles it and that ruined that play. The second pass was batted down. If if Cam can get that by the defensive lineman, I yep. think that's a big play. That but, would have been a big, big play. That was tough pressure. But yeah, if he makes if he if he pops it up in the air a little bit more, could have been huge. Yeah, and I also think it might have been, if memory serves me correct, I'm not going off of notes, but I think it was JJ Taylor who had another dropped one. Yeah, later in the so yep. there were three or four that McDaniels called the right play at the yep. right time, and those babies would have been big and just lack of execution. One last thing about this game before we move on, because again, we got to talk about the Titans and Vikings situation that popped up today. We also want to talk a little bit about the Chiefs. But you mentioned on your rundown about Terrence Brooks. The Patriots made an adjustment using Brooks uh, more in the second half. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I went back and looked um, because the the numbers were much better, especially against Josh Jacobs and the Raiders uh, running game in the second half. And, uh, you know, I looked at what they were doing uh, as far as attacking the line. It seemed a little bit more aggressive. But then I went back and I looked at some of the plays in the first half and it wasn't. But really the big difference in the game, and even though it's tough to tell how much it really showed up in the game, but the big adjustment was they went from a lot of Adrian Phillips and some Kyle Duggar as sort of the sub linebacker because the Patriots just apparently are never going to play base defense this year, even if uh, even if the other team has one running back and three tight ends on the field. Um, they're still, you know, going to go with the uh, the lollipop league out there. But <laughs> – but uh, which I don't understand. But so uh, it was a lot of – I thought Phillips struggled in this game. Um, no huge plays that he blew. But I thought Terrence Brooks coming in, he was the big – for most of the third quarter into the fourth quarter – he was the other quote-unquote linebacker next to Juwan Bentley, and I thought he did a much better job. He's much more physical. He's a better tackler. Not all of it was perfect. The Raiders, you know, had some drives in the second half, uh, but I thought that Brooks was sort of the big wrinkle. But the other thing I do want to bring up, Nick, as far as the defense is, you know, I just think I think this game showed you how much influence, and I've been saying it for at least two years, and I've tried to tell people this, how much the defense is Bill Belichick now. It's Bill. Like it has been since Patricia left. And so what happens is, and the offense is all Josh McDaniels. Like he basically runs the entire offense. And Belichick would be, he would be, and this is a whole side topic, but he would have been completely screwed if Belichick, if if McDaniels got a job this past off season. Um, so Bill runs the whole defense. He game plans it. I'm sure there the, the other coaches have input, but it's Bill's baby. Bill gives Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo basically a paint by numbers call sheet for the the opponent for the game day, where they know down in distance this is what we're going to do. Blah blah blah. It's you know so that Bill was dealing. Bill admitted after the game that he was dealing with a lot of stuff, and people picked up slack. You know, because his mom died. I think it was his his girlfriend's father or mother. One of them died, uh, which is terrible. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of tragedy going on within the Patriots, plus James White and what his family is going through. Uh, it was a very emotional week behind the scenes 
for Belichick, and I and I I don't think he he was as involved as he normally is. And then suddenly we get to Sunday, and they have to take four defensive timeouts, and they're yeah. out of time timeouts yeah. with like twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, that's just I think that just shows you the value that Belichick has. And if anybody wanted to a measure of how much influence he has on this defense, I think Sunday answered that for you. All right, let's uh, before we get into the Titans and the Vikings situation and the Chiefs last night as they put it to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Woof, man, did Baltimore <laughs> coaching staff throw out a stink bomb on Monday Night Football? Tell us about BetUS.com, Greg. Yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. Baseball playoffs, love it. I, I, yeah, the I fall, can't get enough. The fall frenzy. <laughs> and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports. Do you want any money on the M&M? Uh, M&M. M&M. MMA <laughs> on this weekend? No, I I did not. I I was uh I was out and about and I, I didn't get to it. I should have though, because I wanted to go with Adesanya and I wanted to go Adesanya knock out in the first three rounds, and that's exactly what would have happened. So I should have, but I didn't. I've learned my next lesson. Time. I, will, I will hit up betus.com next time. There you time. go. Yeah, and make sure you fill out your information. It only takes a minute when you get to the how did you hear about us box. This is important. Type in Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet I bet at BetUS, and so should you. Join us at BetUS today, and don't forget to type in Boston Sports Journal. Did you know I was checking the lines before we started this? Chiefs are favored by seven. Yeah, I, I heard that a little bit ago on Twitter. Somebody had tweeted me that it was a seven-point uh, spread, and you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how we feel about that a little bit later on in the week. I I do want to get to this Titans Vikings situation just for a couple of minutes. Yep. We're not gonna, we're not gonna you know kill people over this thing and, and glaze your eyes over. But it's important. It's important because this is the kind of story that could absolutely affect the entire NFL. Uh, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you will hear it by the time you listen to this podcast. But if not, uh, the Titans had eight positives come back. And with eight positives, they had to suspend any kind of activity at the facility. And not only that, because they played the Vikings this past weekend, the Vikings also had to suspend any activity at their facilities so what's going to happen here, Greg, is these teams reportedly can't get back to their facility until Saturday, and that's if everything checks out okay. They've started to do some contact tracing. Charles Robinson at Yahoo brought up the idea that, you know, it sounded like people had traveled together on the plane who might have had COVID at the time. So the NFL is playing catch-up right now, and this is just a reminder. Listen, it's not panic time. But yeah. the reminder that COVID-19 still exists and this could really mess up the NFL. If these teams aren't ready, I mean, they've got to do remote learning all week for their games coming up this weekend. And that's if they can even get on the field this weekend. And if they can't, what do you do with their bye week? How do you handle that? So there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, I'm just looking. So the who who do the Titans play this week? Oh, uh, Steelers. 
I know the Steelers play either the Vikings or the or the uh, Texans. So I mean the Titans. So I would guess it's the Steelers. Yeah, but I I just like in general. Um, look, we knew this was probably going to happen at some point. Every I think every every major. Well, I don't think hockey went really went through it. I do think the NBA might have had uh, a bit of a it maybe had a positive test at some point. Um, and of course, Major League Baseball went through what they did, right? And uh, you know, they the NFL had to be prepared for this, and and it's tough. So the Vikings play the Texans, yeah. That's and the, Texans uh, the Steelers do play the Titans. You were right on that. Steelers Titans. So look, they're just we we all knew that this season was going to be weird, and um, it's not good, obviously. Um, I think the contract ta- tracing is is vitally important. We, they, they need to find out w- how this happened, the weaknesses, so they can sort of uh, adjust and go forward with every other team and 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 make sure that everybody stays safe. Um, but I think the, 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 this is going to be a weird season in terms of you know whether it's a bye week or maybe they need to tack on another week or two to the regular season which I think is the most likely thing. Yeah. And they push everything back because the Super Bowl, they do have flexibility on when the Super Bowl can be played. Yeah, so the Blow the Pro Bowl out. Don't even worry about yeah. that. Yeah, they have, the, they have the bye week that they could eliminate. But also I remember at the time they said that the, the Super Bowl sites now have to basically be open for the following month after the Super Bowl that they can move at any time. Uh, so I think that's that's most likely they can they cannot play this weekend if they're not practicing. They just I think it's it's not only is it bad from a competitive advantage for these teams, it's just bad for player players' health. I mean, yeah. they need to know what they're doing before they hit the field. And so uh, I'm not this is not good, but I'm not overly concerned because the, the 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 NFL does have options. And I think the most important thing is they learn lessons from this and apply it going forward. Yeah, and it's one team. And so hopefully, you yeah. know, the Vikings hopefully check out okay. And this So is, far they've said no positive tests. Yeah, but. so hopefully, you know, there, there is the four- to five-day incubation period and all that stuff you got to play around with, right? So I don't think you feel like you're out of the weeds until you hit about Friday or Saturday, which is why I think the NFL says – the Titans and the Vikings can't get back to their facilities until Saturday because you've got to give it four or five days to see if anybody else pops up. Hopefully it's a brush fire. Hopefully the NFL, like you said, learns from this and they can move forward and and figure out how they're going to handle this thing. And I, I think it makes the most sense. I'm with you. Blow out the Pro Bowl. You've got some flexibility with the Super Bowl. You know, move back everything a couple of weeks if you got to, because, you know, you can't have teams, you know, some teams playing 15 games, other teams playing. It'll be a disaster. So they've got to figure out a way to utilize that flexibility that they do have. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs for a couple of minutes. Uh, Last night, they take care of the Ravens. I would say relatively easy kind of game for them. It did get to one score, you know, in the second half. It got a little tricky. As as bad as the Ravens played in that game. Yes, and I think, listen, you, you watch Lamar Jackson, and everybody has questions whether or not he's going to continue to progress. He had that great season a year ago. You know, is he going to run as much? I thought last night, first thing that jumps out to me is he missed three big plays. You mentioned Derek Carr not seeing guys. Well, Lamar sees guys. He just can't find them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as far as 
placing the ball where it needs to be. He had Hollywood Brown down the sideline. He missed him. He had Hollywood Brown down the sideline again, missed him. He had Mark Andrews up the seam. He was late throwing the pass. That could have been a big play. When you go against the Chiefs, you can't miss those opportunities because on the other side, we all know who they have. And again, Mahomes was fantastic. And Greg, I I don't know how you feel, but I felt like watching that game last night, Wink Martindale, who is the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, it looked like he went in saying, we're going to be who we are. And if they beat us with us doing what we do, then good for them. And that meant they were going to blitz Mahomes a decent amount. And that plan seemed to backfire because Mahomes tore up the blitz. He was really good against the blitz last year. And so the Ravens defense was kind of scrambling. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see a ton of the first half when most of this game was decided. So, um, you know, I'll defer to you because I, I trust your eyes. I mean, from what I did see of the game, I I saw a lot of uh, defensive breakdowns uh, in the secondary from the Ravens in which the chiefs will do. I mean, Andy reads, uh, one of the best at, at at game planning against teams and attacking weaknesses. It looked like almost the Ravens tried to be two different things. They tried to pressure in the front, and then they were playing a lot of zone in the back. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, they were they were messing up. You, your communication's got to be on point when you do that. Uh, I don't see the Patriots taking that approach against the Chiefs. That's not really what they've done. I, I'm more of a, you know, try to try to play man coverage as much as possible with safety help over the top, a lot of two man and see what you can do. And, and, you know, occasionally I, robber coverages are kind of wasted against Mahomes cause he sniffs it out and then burns you. Um, you know, but I just, I, I thought, you know, to me, this was, a, a, you know, it was a, I was disappointed that the Ravens uh, didn't come out and play better. I mean, this yeah. is three in a row and now you have Lamar Jackson basically saying the chiefs are my daddy. Like it's like Pedro all over again. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm waiting for the who's your daddy chance and yeah, the kryptonite. You know, kryptonite. And yeah, so uh, it wasn't good. I do think, you know, the Chiefs are they're they're very formidable. I, I've been very impressed with how they've answered their Super Bowl championship. Most teams relax. They have not. They have pushed forward. They might be even better and more d- dynamic this year, you know, with uh, Edwards Hilaire and, and some other players. It's uh it's going to be quite a challenge for these Patriots, one that I'm not sure they're ready for right now. But at least, even if they lose this game, we how many how many years have we? It's almost like good luck for them to get blasted by the Chiefs early on in the season, and then uh, they can sort of get their revenge later. It is. I think you know we'll we'll get more into that game later on in the week with our second podcast this week. But you know when I when I look at the Chiefs, I do think they have some questions at corner. I do think you can run the football against them. Uh, yep. What happened was the Ravens got down so early that blew their game plan apart offensively. So they couldn't run as much as they wanted to. But when they did run, and you'll see some of those actions with Cam and, and what Baltimore does, some of those read option plays, some of those misdirections, I do think the Chiefs struggled with some of those. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots could you know make sure that they attack that front with their run game like the Ravens wanted to do so I do think there are some openings but offensively obviously the Chiefs are are so tough and I I just found it interesting because early on this season especially in that Chargers game what teams have been doing against Mahomes is they've been kind of laying back not to give any big plays up and saying okay we're not gonna you know try to attack you and and blitz you a ton and we're not gonna go after you if you've got to dink and dunk yourself down the field, that's what you're going to have to do. 
And last night, the Ravens went with the complete opposite game plan. And in the first half, they got torched. Yeah, I, I, I just don't agree with that. And I think I think this is – I think you're going to continue to see the Patriots use this, um, you know, light box that they've been doing. I think it might even get more out of control. I think they are all for – I think I think they're going to put I I I would not be surprised Nick if if they don't put uh like eight defensive backs on the field at one time against the Chiefs and just basically dare the Chiefs to run like they you know taking the sort of approach that they did with Peyton Manning and they might keep Jawan Bentley on the field just play all dime and just be like fine you want to throw well we you know we're going to we're going to stock the secondary and and we want you to run we want to shorten the game yep. Because that's our best chance to win this game, and it'll be interesting to see the tug of war between Andy Reid and Bill Belichick how that plays out. All right, again, we'll we'll touch more into that game coming up in our uh, podcast later this week. But let's jump to the BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ for eleven cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie and if you're listening to this podcast we would guess that you are a Patriots junkie. Then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis. Bedard does on the coach's film and uh, direct access to him in weekly chat. So you want to check that out. Uh, this week's BostonSportsJournal.com question of the day comes from Mike Arrow4. Uh, who on this team besides Jules can beat man coverage, Greg? It seemed like Cam didn't have anyone to throw to against the Raiders. Why wasn't it close to Seattle? Yeah, it's a good question. I, and I, I I actually might say I'm not sure how much Julian uh beats man coverage anymore. I I, I just I, I don't think he's the same receiver. I mean, I still think he's really good and he's really a good possession receiver, but I think he's I think he's losing a step with the injuries and I think he continues to battle with something and he's not a hundred percent and uh so that's an issue. But as far as somebody who can beat man coverage uh it's good I don't know I don't know and I it was but the thing was it wasn't they're they're gonna have to scheme it up and they're gonna have to use cam as a threat which that it is a factor the other teams are taking account for him and there are most of the time there are guys open like we talked about cam didn't really see them in this game at times and so he needs to do a better job of of going through his reads and finding uh players open they are there and and the reason why it wasn't the same against the seahawks because the seahawks stink they're giving up like 500 yards a game passing i mean it's just it's ridiculous what they're doing and so uh yeah i just think it was that that was it doesn't get any easier than against the seahawks in that game and cam's just gonna have to be a lot better and again i think big picture and we were talking about it, and we jumped into it because Cam looked so good against the Seahawks. I feel like the bandwagon got even bigger for Cam. But as we've said, you know, maybe we should not have gone as fast about how Cam looked. Uh, Give him the contract extension. Yeah, yeah well, we didn't. I, I didn't say that. You didn't <laughs> say that. But others were talking about it. But you know, we walked into this season saying it might take four to six weeks for Cam to figure it out, and for McDaniel's to truly figure it out. So. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle, right? Maybe it wasn't as good as we saw against Seattle. It's probably not as bad for Cam as we saw against Vegas. Might want to chalk that up to a bad day so far. 
maybe somewhere in the middle for the first month, month and a half is what you're going to see out of this passing game. It's not I, awesome. It, it's not going to look hopefully as bad as it did on Sunday. Yeah, I do hope that it was just a bad day at the office. And and I would say there's about a 75% chance that it was just a bad day. But the other thing that we talked about last week was, and, and this is where the creeping doubt maybe starts, is every with every passing week, the NFL has more film on what the Patriots do with Cam Newton. Right. And the more film that's out there, the better prepared these teams are going to be. So uh, that is something also to monitor. All right. His name is Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetUS.com. Again, you want to check out the pod. You want to rate and review us. Those absolutely help us every single time. So if you like what you're listening to, make sure you rate and you review us. Uh, we'll be coming up later this week to talk about this Chiefs-Patriots game. Uh, man, oh, man, it's it's going to be an interesting one to talk about. Until then, everybody enjoy your work week. It's the uh, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.